Welcome to Story Life, short stories brought to you by Mark Aluzai. Season 1, Good Morning. Episode 5, The Wailing Forest, written and read by Mark Aluzai. Alric stepped inside. The wind fought him as he heaved the heavy oak door closed. Snowflakes flew past him, creating a dusting that melted almost immediately. The fire in the hearth had gone out, but it was noticeably warmer inside. Alric leaned against the door, enjoying the reprieve from the biting wind. His gaze came to rest on the long blonde hair, running down Eleanor's back, and past that, the small faces of the children. I don't want you crossing the Knight's Bridge again, ever, she said firmly, pointing her finger at the three little ones who were sat up in their shared bed. The Wailing Forest will take a man, a horse, even a prince. The dark magic in that place warps everything it touches. You'd stand no chance. Her voice softened. I love you, she said. Now get to sleep. She turned and came to Alric. As she walked across the room, she disappeared. The children were gone too, the house quiet. It had only been a memory. The familiar emptiness returned to Alric's chest. If she'd been alive, Eleanor would have asked him what had happened. The sheep, it, it wasn't bandits, Alric replied to the empty room. There were signs of a wild animal, he said, not wanting to give breath to the details of the carnage. The footprints stuck in his mind, too large to be a wild cat. Neither did they belong to a bear. Alric and the other hunters had stood in silence, surrounded by the blood. They knew the forest. No one said the obvious. To speak of the beast was an ill omen. This was the first time it had crossed the river. Now it was no longer just a threat to those foolish enough to ride the old road through the forest. In the dark hours, it was venturing out. No need to worry, Arik said again to the Eleanor in his memory. They've sent for the Kingsmen. Help will arrive in a couple of days. But Alric knew when the king's men came they would only find the beast if they had a hunter, like him, to guide them. The next two nights were filled with fearful dreams and strange howlings on the wind. Alric rolled over, checking Eleanor was all right. She wasn't there. The following morning, when Alric walked down to the village, he could see the cavalry had arrived. Six horses, in full king's livery, stabled at the inn. He went inside. Several of the other hunters from the village sat facing the knights around two tables, with a fire raging behind them. Alric hovered at the back of the conversation, eager to hear their plans, but with no desire to go in search of the beast. By lunch, two of the older hunters, who knew the trails the best, agreed to lead the knights into the forest. Alric was more relieved than he'd expected. He would never have avoided his duty had he been called, but whenever his mind returned to the blood of the flock, he could not stop a shudder 
possessing his spine. Besides, the beast was not the only cursed thing to live in the Wailing Forest. The air itself felt heavy, unnatural. Best not to dwell on it. The next day, he waded early through the snow to see off the brave party as they ventured out. They were armed to the hilt, bows, crossbows, swords and axes. But what good are sharp blades against enchanted horrors? The men disappeared over the bridge with plenty of daylight left. By twilight, none had returned. Alric went home and bolted the door. Embers still flickered in the fire. Eleanor was telling the children a bedtime fairy tale. No, he realised, she was telling them the true story of what happened to the prince. They were both foolish boys, Eleanor continued, young and without fear. Prince Michael and his half-brother rode across the river hunting boar with only their two squires. Deeper and deeper into the trees they went, ignoring the whales stubbornly pursuing the tracks of the boar. Maybe the power of the forest clouded their thoughts. The squires wanted to turn back, but they spotted the boar, and the chase was on. Eleanor rubbed her hands together and leaned closer. They sped on, recklessly, further and further into the forest, until the trees were too close for the horses. By then, the largest boar had three arrows stuck in its hide. It was slowing and trailing blood. The boys kept going on foot, eager for the kill. Too eager. Eleanor shrugged. And they did kill the boar. But the chase, the noise, the horses, the smell of blood had caught the attention of something else in the forest. A darker creature. As they laughed in triumph and got to the boar, they did not hear anything approaching. Victors do not worry about their trail. It burst on them from the undergrowth, the beast, all claws and teeth. They were unprepared and ran desperately for the horses, but too late. The squires died protecting their masters. Prince Michael was torn down from behind, running for his horse. Only the half-prince made it. He mounted the horse, cutting the reins in the nick of time. The horse ran for its life, and in so doing, saved the half-prince. Eleanor leaned back. And that's why the only ones who enter the Wailing Forest are either the foolish or the dead children erupted with questions about the prince, the king, the old road and the beast. Eleanor wasn't there to answer them. The children were gone too. Alric threw a log on the hearth and stoked it. He retreated to his and Eleanor's bed. Four unprepared boys were very different from today's hunting party of eight trained men. They would bring the beast back. Maybe they already had. Alric awoke with the dawn, following another night of broken dreams. Eleanor and the children were still quiet. Leaving them to their slumber, he headed down to the village for news. As he neared, he saw commotion at the inn, 
Alric smiled. Maybe the head of the beast would be on display. He pushed past a couple of farmers and stepped inside. Laid out on a table in the middle of the room was the body of one of the knights, covered in claw marks and blood. His chest neither rose nor fell. As Alric looked around for the other knights and the faces of the two old hunters, his heart went cold. No one else was here. Alric couldn't move. Somewhere behind him two men were shouting. The innkeeper slowly pulled a blanket over the body. A woman, kneeling by the fire, wept. Was it for the night? Or the village? What would they do now? Again they sent for the king's men, and again they waited. This time, the clip-clop of horses coming down the village road announced the arrival of over a hundred of the king's men. Alric watched the column of armour clanking. The livery of the five great houses waving in the wind. The half-prince, heir to the throne, was there. Even the king had come to slay the beast who killed his son. The inn was full, as were the stables. To accommodate the soldiers, many who lived in the village had to give up their houses and stay with relatives. Alric and Eleanor were far enough out that they were able to keep their own bed. As one of the hunters who knew the forest, Alric was called on to lead a group of a dozen soldiers. The next morning, Alric was determined to put on a brave face for Eleanor and the children. But they weren't there. Once all the soldiers had crossed the bridge, they split into six groups. Alric, guiding the king, the half-prince and their dozen bodyguards. By separating, they could search the widest possible area. Staying just within earshot of each other, they could call for aid when they located the monster. The king wanted to be in the centre with the most chance of finding the beast. The most chance of exacting revenge. The soldiers clinked and rustled in their plate armour as the hunt began. They left the light of the snow to enter the shadows of the gnarled and knotted trees. Initially, the going was easy and Alric could not only see the king and his party, but also the troops on their flanks. However, as they ventured deeper, the thick foliage blocked Alric's view. Alert for every movement, he led them on, reassuring himself they had war horns to signal if they found the beast. Soon after, the wailing began. Alric still found the ethereal screams disconcerting, and this was the first time for the king's men. Some looked up with wide eyes at the canopy of leaves. Others glanced behind, trying to discern the origin of the sound. Was it the voices of the dead? The already sparse conversation dwindled into silence, punctuated only by the irregular, high-pitched keening of the forest. As they travelled further, the foliage grew too thick 
to ride. Dismounting, they left one man to guard the horses with a horn to signal for danger. The second horn stayed with the half-prince. The combination of heavy armour and knee-deep snow meant torturously slow progress. As midday passed, the wails of the forest were drowned out by the rush of white water foaming between the rocks ahead. They had reached the Grey River. Some of the hunters said it ran in a circle around the centre of the forest. Madness. The river was too deep to ford in full armour. Even if they stripped down, the soldiers risked their tabards and armour freezing in the cold. Alric was glad he wore his warm furs. One of the knights found a spot where the river narrowed, churning through tall rocks. It looked possible to jump from a high rock down the height of a man to the far side. They would not be able to return this way, but at least they could cross. Alric looked at the gap nervously. He had broken his arm falling from a tree as a boy. This would be a running jump, and the rocks on both sides were covered in snow. But the king's men were not afraid of such things. In fact, two volunteered for the honour of going first, to ensure the king's safety. The king ordered everyone to take off their backpacks, crossbows and heavy axes before crossing. They would leap one at a time. When half the men had crossed, they would hurl all the equipment over before the final few jumped. After the first four had thrown themselves across, it was Alric's turn. He gave himself a long run-up and launched himself out, over the seething water. Landing hard, he rolled, his momentum taking him away from the edge. One soldier pulled him up with a grin. Alric smiled, weakly. The king came next, rolling easily through the snow into an almost standing position, even in full armour. As the knights applauded the king's prowess, there was a cry. Someone from the opposite side had slipped. Alric watched the body fall past them into the rapids below. He froze, unsure how to react. A second man slipped, and a third. It was then Alric saw on the other side. The forest was moving. A heavy branch swept out, knocking a fourth soldier into the waters. Chaos broke out, but to Alric it all happened at a snail's pace. The knights drew their swords. The king and the men with him stood powerless and out of reach. The high prince was shouting when a hefty log flew through the air at him. He ducked, avoiding it by only a hair's breadth. The knight behind him was not so lucky. He took the solid weight of the branch in the chest and lost his footing. Desperately, he clawed at the snow with his gloves before sliding over the edge. The half-prince and his three remaining men turned to face the monster, their backs to the rushing waters. The height of a bear with twisted antlers, the beast roared. Its skin was brown and grey, half like fur and half like thick bark. 
Alric couldn't make out its eyes. It struck out, claws pushing aside one knight's sword. Its unnatural strength left the knight on the ground, struggling to breathe a deep dent in his breastplate. The half-prince drew his horn, but the beast knocked it from his hand before it sounded. With a deadly grace, the monster parried one soldier's blade before grabbing his arm and throwing him over the edge. The last soldier and the half-prince moved to flank the monster. Hacking at it, the high-prince severed one of its horns. The soldier managed to shear a patch of skin from its hide. The beast spun, impaling the soldier with its claws before turning on the half-prince. It battered aside the sword and knocked the half-prince to the ground. Leaning over him, it stared into his eyes and roared. No! the half-prince cried. Then quieter, forgive me. Before he could finish any prayer he was uttering, the beast's claws silenced him. The monster's gaze turned to Alric and those with him. It spun and disappeared into the trees. Your Highness, one of the knights said, we need to get you to safety. The king laughed. Not the glorious death we imagined as boys, eh, Philip? He may be coming for us as we speak. Let's find a clearing and make a stand. The six of them spread out quickly, looking for a place to fight. Over here! One of them shouted. Alric made his way to the clearing. Already another cry behind him. He raced forwards, ignoring the branches scraping his face and burst into the clearing at the same time as the king. The knight, Philip, stood alone. A second soldier surged out from the trees opposite, but the beast leapt on him from behind and he was dead before he hit the floor. Alric drew his knife and moved to stand on the king's left. Philip stood on the king's right. Alric thought of Eleanor and the children. Then the wind was knocked out of him. As he flew through the air, he collided with something hard, and his vision blurred for a moment. Looking down, he saw the split end of a branch protruding from his stomach. His legs did not want to move. A cough came out when he tried to speak. Thankfully, the beast had turned its attention to Philip and the king. The two men darted around its synchronised slashes, cutting at its claws, slicing the bark-like skin from its body and arms. But the beast ignored the wounds. Philip tripped on a branch, and before he could recover, the monster flung him out of Alric's view into the trees. A loud crunch ended Philip's cry. The king attacked with renewed vigour, slicing the second horn and a clump of hair from the monster's head. Now, for the first time, Alric could see the whites of its eyes. Swinging at the beast, the king's sword bit deep into the armoured skin and caught. Alric blinked, but his eyelids remained closed. They had become unbearably heavy. Forcing them open a crack, he watched as the monster grabbed the king by the neck. Feet dangling, it lifted him level with its face. 
the king lost his grip on the trapped sword. You killed my son! He screamed and spat into its face. The monster dislodged the blade caught in its arm, then raised its hand, wiping the spit from its cheek. No! No! The beast growled, shaking its head. The king and the monster stared at each other, unmoving. Michael, is... is it you? The king asked. Yes, snarled the beast. The king shook his head. What have you become? Behind the king and his son, Alric saw Eleanor and the children coming out of the trees. He wanted to shout, warn them about the beast, but his voice no longer worked. Eleanor's smile radiated like rays of sun in a morning mist. The light warmed his face. Alric smiled back at her, letting his heavy eyelids fall close. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the story and want to support future episodes, please go to patreon.com forward slash storylifepodcast and join the community. Thanks. See you next time.